Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are in Matthew chapter 18. And we covered verses 15 and 16 in the previous episode. And this is a passage that, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at the study Bible a while ago, and they have a subtopic there, and it says, if your brother sins against you, and this is what you're supposed to do. But you know what? It doesn't really say if the brother sins against you. You know, you'll hear it preached that way. <coughs> you'll hear it taught that way sometimes. It doesn't say that at all. It says, if your brother sins, sins. And it may be the idea that people think, well, you know he's sinning because he did it against you. Well, okay, if that happens, yeah, you know it. But what if you have a brother that's sinning and you know about the sin, but it's not against you? No, we have a role and responsibility, folks, to uh, help one another, to win over the brothers we saw in the previous episode. And people get real nervous about this and go, well, no, because then, you know, you're just going to be talking about sin busters going around. You're going to be talking about people trying to look, trying to find every little sin to correct and do all this. Yeah, there's people who'll try to do that, and they'll try to do that in the flesh. See, that's what the enemy does. The enemy takes what we are supposed to be doing as believers and what God instructs us to do and does that which the enemy can do. The only thing the enemy can ever do with anything is pervert it. Pervert it. That's the reason he's so frustrated. He wants to be God, but he can't create ex nihilo out of nothing. He can't make things out of nothing. So the only thing he can do is pervert that which God has created and pervert God's way, God's pattern. So let's start at verse 15 because we're only halfway through understanding this account here. It says this, if your brother sins, remember Jesus is speaking, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. So you see a pattern here. If you if a brother is sinning, you go to him privately. Don't haul him before everybody, okay? Go to him privately. But, verse 16, if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you. So if he doesn't listen to you, go get a friend or two, okay? Not to come and confront him with fault and all this, though that's what you're doing. You do it with the right attitude. You do it with the right heart. And the right attitude and the right heart is that of restoration. We're not wanting to point out to drive in a dagger that you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, and you're at fault. The idea is for them to repent and to be restored back in the right relationship with God and with the body of Christ. But if he doesn't listen to you privately, then go take one or two people with you who understand this, folks. And then Jesus tells us why. So that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed, okay? And that's a quote out of the Old Testament. So Jesus is using the Old Covenant here, uh, it's out of Deuteronomy, uh, to state that now that there will be two or three of you that will tell this is what the facts are. This is the sin, and this is what the Scripture says about this sin. Also, the two or three of you will know every fact that is said by the brother. <clears throat> now, again, it's the brother. Now, let's press on, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And so the, the pattern, the process is this. You go to him privately. If he refuses to repent then, then you take two or three with you 
to where all the facts can be determined. So it's just, just not, okay, he said, she said kind of thing. This is what the truth is. If he refuses to listen to the two or three of you, that's when you take it to the church. Now, Jesus makes no attempt to explain what it means by taking it to the church. You know, churches that will actually do some things like this, they may have a church gathering about it. A lot of times they'll just take it before the church leadership. See? In other words, they will broaden the scope of understanding the, the people that know what's going on with this, and they'll deal with it and that way. There may be a time where you take it before the whole church. I know about that. I've had this happen once in our life to where we had to take it before the whole church. And I will tell you that God honored it, and there was complete repentance and complete restoration. Now, it took a time period. It took a matter of, uh, in this particular case, which I'm not going to get the details over, uh, it took a, a, a matter of weeks, okay, several weeks. Okay, sometimes we think it's going to be instantaneously. No, 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 no. So you take it to the church. Verse 17, Jesus continues, If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. <laughs> what does that mean? He's saying this. If your brother's in sin and you go to him privately and he doesn't listen to you, then takes a couple people with you. If he doesn't listen to them, then take it for the church. If he doesn't listen to the entire church, then treat him as a Gentile and tax collector. Realize that he's really not a portion of the church. He's really not a true believer. Okay? A Gentile or tax collector. He's not a true believer. He may keep trying to come to church. He may be doing this. But he's not saved. He's not a portion of the organic body of Christ. So that's where it says treat him as a Gentile, a tax collector. He's unsaved. He's not a part of the body. Now, a lot of times these folks... A lot of times they're in leadership positions. Well, so if you're going to treat them as a Gentile and tax collector, they have to be taken off those leadership positions. And they have to be treated as a Gentile and tax collector, which means we now need to be constantly and continually bringing forth the gospel before them, saying, hey, you must repent. You must be saved. If you're refusing to turn from your sin over here, that is strong evidence that you're not in right relationship with the Lord. And then the Lord gives these next two or three verses here, which are very, very powerful verses. And a lot of times people will teach these things and, and preach them, and they do it out of the context. We, 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 we do such a disservice to the Scripture because we don't know the context. And honestly, I get so irritated with people who teach and preach and talk and, and write because and, they won't back up four verses to see what's said. If you backed up four verses, you'll find out that the great comment you made down through here is in error or the fact that you presented it was wrong. It was explained three verses before. And these verses, listen to what he says now. Remember the context of this whole thing, verse 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. We use that two or three gathering together in our name all the time for uh, a corporate worship idea, okay? Or a corporate gathering in a home or wherever it may be, the coffee shop, whatever. And it's true. When, when, when there's two or three of us gathered together in his name, 
he's there in our midst. Well, you say, well, is he not in our midst anyway? Well, he is in our midst because he is with us and in us as true believers. But when there's two or three, there's a special thing that's occurring here. The Lord is with us. But do you see now that it's in the context of dealing with somebody who's a sinner that Jesus says this? How do you do this? And notice what he says. When you're gathered in my name, so when you as an individual, or you as two or three people, or you as the church are dealing with somebody in sin, in his name, folks, not what I think, not what you think, what should we do? No, in his name. When we do that, then whatever that two or three agree upon here on earth, it has been done in heaven. In other words, whatever was bound on earth has already been bound in heaven. It has come from heaven. We have heard the mind of the Lord. Whatever's loosed on earth, the, the, a, a type of thing of uh, permitted, okay, whatever's been permitted here, shall have been permitted from heaven in heaven. In other words, when we seek like this, the mind of the Lord, he will grant it. And then we can sit there and say, no, because you refuse to repent right here, you're going to be treated as Gentile task collector. You're unsaved. You need to repent. Uh, uh, Start off at the beginning here. We can't even call you brother now. We love you, but you're not a brother because you're not saved because the Lord has revealed this to us. This is a really important passage to understand how we are supposed to uh, function and operate and deal with sin in the church. We do really well to pay attention to it. Don't you think? Well, time's up. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you in the next episode.